BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Talking with writer Chuck Thompson, the new book is The Status Revolution, the improbable story of how the lowbrow became the highbrow. And and I, I just before the bottom of the hour, I sort of blurted out, I, it used to be that a luxury brand got that reputation because it was handmade, you know, it was haute couture. You would go in and get measured. It was a real, it was a representation that you had the money to spend on getting something made exactly right for you. Now I would say almost everything that has a luxury brand logo on it is probably made more poorly than any of the other brands we buy. I don't know. Where are you with that? Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, what what I feel like is that I mean, brands like you know Gucci, Prada, whatever name your name your favorite, they still indicate some monetary advantage because they are expensive by and large, but they no longer convey this sense of status or elitism or or excellence. Right. Um, and a, a big reason of that is the consolidation of luxury brands over the past quarter century has changed the luxury industry considerably. I mean, for one thing. When you're a small family owned, you know, artisan house, you're not right. worried about pleasing shareholders and expanding right. your market reach to every country, uh, on the planet. So what, what, what were once these small family run entities are now part of large corporations. Um, LVMH, you know, Louis Vuitton, Moy Hennessy owns what, 75 or 80 brands. They own Tiffany. They own Bulgari. Richmond owns Cartier and Montblanc and Ralph Lauren and so forth. And one of the big conundrums facing these contemporary status marketers is reconciling the fact that while a product's prestige is often based on scarcity and cost, 
in order to attain the scale necessary to remain globally competitive, a consolidated brand now has to attract a mass following, right? But the concepts of scarcity and mass production are totally at odds. And yeah. so, so the scarcity part of the game is over. Right. And, and people, people like you have recognized that. Yeah. Um, well, and I was told yeah. that once. I was told if you want to look like I was forget how old I was, but somebody in my church or somebody told me said you want to look if you want to look like a success, don't advertise somebody else's product. Have something custom made. Custom made with by a tailor. The, there's going to be no big label sticking out, but you will. It will be what the original concept was. It's made just for you. You are the. You, you don't. You're not somebody else's brand. You're not walking around with somebody's sandwich boards logos all over you. You're. You're just. You are who you are, and it fits you. Well, and that's given rise to this phenomenon known as counter signaling, in which you know very wealthy people. Your your CEO. Of your company will show up to the boardroom in, uh, you know, his baggy jeans and a right. San Diego Padres T-shirt or something. It's sort right. of to say that you know we're going at this point. You're better off rejecting those kind of traditional uh, brands for that very reason that you just outlined. Right. Yep. Um, okay, but that's again. This speaks to when this goes back to your CNN days. You know, Ilsa Clinch would be covering something on the CNN fashion thing on Saturday. And, you know, within two months, you'd see people wearing it. And, and I, I just, I always kind of challenge that notion that there are, there's a select few of people who decide how the world should be dressing. And I, that all of that individualism or expression goes out the window and suddenly people are getting in lockstep behind something that looks terrible on them. You know, I did a whole lot of research for this book, and I ended up leaving a lot of it on, on the proverbial cutting room floor, and a whole chapter on fashion was one of them. It's a really tricky one to get my head around. In the end, I kind of decided that trends, fashion trends, don't necessarily equal status. I get that there's a Venn diagram overlap there, that right. you, know, you dress it a certain way or you have a certain, no matter what community you're in, whether you're a, uh, a mafia don or a hip-hop artist, you know, the way you dress does matter. You are what you dress to some degree still. Um, I, I never quite could put my head around this, Ian, to be honest, where, where trends stop and fashion stops and status begins. And, you know, that's another point I make in the book, which is status is such a massive and sprawling concept. I mean, other, you know, apart from economic payoffs, you know, social status seems to be about the most important incentive and motivating force for social behavior in, in, in the world, certainly in Western society. And it's really tough to get a grip on. I'm not claiming to be an expert on this. In this book, I tried to seek out sort of the people who I thought were influencing, right. this, were thinking about it in different ways and, and highlight what they were telling me about status. Well, so. even the concept of influencers, the, this, you know, I, I don't know if you know, I, I teach it at at K-State, at Kansas State University, and and there's a lot of talk from Gen Z um, media-obsessed students who, you know, they, they want, many of them want to be influencers. It just sounds great. Oh, I want, I'm going to be an influencer. Well, okay, influence what and influence based on what i mean why why should somebody say oh yeah so and so said i should try this and so i'm going to go out and buy it that's fine that's a recommendation it's kind of a horizontal experience somebody you like on the online did that but this this concept of 
of who's moving culture. Um, that's also sort of fascinating for me for the idea of a status revolution, because the, even the concept of what is considered to be a status item changes really fast. What, are, what would you say, other than fashion then, are the status must-haves these days, uh, or what are the former ones, or what are the ones that are coming? Well, in terms of, of products, look, what I, what I always say is that status is a reflection of social values, and our social values are changing, and that's why status is changing. Our society is becoming really balkanized at this point, right? Yeah. And so there is, there's no uniformity of status across the culture anymore, and I think that's part of this. Social media certainly plays a big part of it. Um, you know, you talk about influencers. Influence equals power, and that can, that can equate to status. One of the other points I really try to get across in the book is that I think we need to divorce ourselves from the, this idea that money always equals status. And it's true that wealth and status often do go hand in hand, but there's a lot of other ways that people attain status aside from money. Some of the obvious ones are religious leaders, right? The Pope. The Pope right. has no salary, right? Officially, the Pope is um, takes a vow of poverty, and yet the Pope clearly has um, great status, not just within the Catholic Church, even around you know world leaders. The quarterback of a high school football team might enjoy terrific status and yet not really have any money to show for it. Uh, I like to say, you know, writers often get uh, a decent measure of status conferred upon. They get asked to come on shows like this, and yet there's a very good reason that they often say of writers, he died penniless. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It actually probably proves that he was a good writer. <laughs> exactly. But, but, so, but to get to the, back to your point, which is I think there are a lot of different ways that status is being reflected and that people are seeking out status. Um, today that they want, and social media is an obvious, I mean, social media didn't exist, whatever, 20, 25, 30 years ago. And so, um, you know, within that community, there's become this new currency of status, and that is, um, at the moment, to be an influencer or a disruptor, right? Yeah. This is the other big one. Yeah. A disruptor, let's just face it, for people, that, that is they're not, that is one overused term. And, and when originally, when something was a disruption, it's because it came on, and it was it was so popular and so revolutionary and it changed the game so strategically for a business that it literally killed off a sector and the best way to look at that is i as we talk about in, in class is you look at netflix killed off blockbuster the idea of a the corner videotape store just com that that industry is gone it just doesn't exist whereas at one point you know that they were getting these um they were getting these draconian penalties and you were like it's almost like it was almost like court when you would go in to return something to uh the the guy in the blue shirt at the behind the counter and block they'd look at you and you'd have to plead your case on why you'd have to pay forty dollars for a two night rental. <laughs> and and so but then you compare that and and now that's a that's a disruption. But people say, oh, well, Lyft and Uber, you know, they disrupted the taxi cab industry. No, they didn't. They expanded it. And taxi cabs still exist. And the concept, in fact, what's happened is Uber and Lyft are now more expensive than getting a cab. The idea of the ride sharing is, you know, that's a dynamic pricing thing that people in taxis don't have. There's a set price in when you get into a taxi there is a price that can go up two three times depending on how many uber drivers are on the road at any one given time so it didn't disrupt it it just 
changed it and expanded it, but taxi cabs are still there. Ian, you bring up a point that's really important to me and that I, I, that I think is important about this status revolution, and that, that is that status is no longer or should no longer be considered a zero-sum game. Right. Um, status has widely been considered this finite commodity, right? If I had status, that meant you had less. And yeah. this is the paradigm that ultimately is what the status revolution seeks to overcome. That's great. Status is not just for the gilded elect. It's not. It, it's for everyone. It's an imperative being driven by a lot of different, um, on a lot of different levels. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So give me an example then of other things which have become part of the must-have list as you see it and the things that people are being peddled um, and that whether it's some of these that could have come and gone already, and I can think of a few that were at one time they were told was a status symbol, a symbol of your achievement for whatever group you are in, that now we kind of look back on it and we kind of like, <laughs> that was quaint. Well, I'm going to take exception with one of the what I think is an underlying, um, you know, idea of that. But I'll, but I'll answer the question first. I mean, I, I opened the book with a chapter on rescue dogs, right? Okay. Um, and 
for, for the for the research for this book, I really wanted to find examples of status and movement within a status hierarchy in sort of unexpected and surprising places, right? And right now, as you know, and the, I opened the book, but there was a, a random woman I met in Wyoming while I was on a fishing trip, kind of rushed up to me and my buddy Chris and started bragging to us about her rescue dog, and saying it was the same dog that was used in the Bin Laden raid and right. all this kind of stuff, and and. It, that wasn't the first time that that had happened to me on some level, right? That people were sort of presenting their dog as this, um, this as this item of status. And the, the interesting thing I found out about was, you know, I, I'd started reading books like by Thorsten Veblen, The Theory of the Leisure Class, which came out in 1899 and was kind of the the, the totemic book of, of people studying status for, for more than a century. Frickin' Veblen bitches about dogs and dogs used as status symbols back in the 1890s. Right, so I really thought it'd be fun to kind of track this whole idea of how dogs have played a role in in sort of status. Um, and I started to wonder about the whole rescue dog phenomenon. And, and you know, within the within the dog, I'm not talking about virtue signaling right now, which is a, a sort of a sibling impulse of this thing. But within the dog community, thirty or forty years ago, rescue dogs had no status whatsoever, right? Zero. And so, so how did they make such advances in the canine world? I mean, they have. They have legal protections now. They're a whole class of dogs. And what was the catalyst for their, you know, ascension? And so that's one of those things that, to me, um, was really interesting in that a way that a purebred uh, dog, that somebody might go to a kennel and seek out a purebred dog 30, 40, 50 years ago. Now they're going to the pound. They're going to dogs that, you know, when you and I were growing up, and guys drove around in, in vans and picked up and, you know, euthanized them. Euthanized them, them. right. Right. So that's one. That's one example. But I've heard a couple times in this conversation. Um, you know, Go I ahead. Like there's this Go of, ahead. Like there's this kind of mocking or caustic approach to people who are seeking status, who are, are displaying status in certain ways. And I think that's part of what this status revolution is all about. Right? For more than a century, our understanding of status has been kind of rooted in this retrograde assumptions of you know, religious institutions and Judeo-Christian ethics and Enlightenment ethics and okay. social science disciplines that were informed by Victorian-era ethos, right? I mean, right. everyone from like Veblen, I mentioned, Grandma Moses, right? They cast this long shadow of derision and disapproval on the, this basic human drive for status, right? Luxury is pernicious and status is sinful. It's a sign of moral weakness or that you've been duped by Madison Avenue sharps. But, but here's the thing that's going on right now. Today, like, we're using these modern methods of research. And scientists and scholars are overturning these beliefs, right? If you, we're, they're using functional magnetic resonance imaging, right? MRI, fMRI. So using that, scientists can actually see activity in the brain's pleasure centers heightening at the exact moment that a person consumes, let's say, like a high-priced bottle of wine or some other product that's associated with elitism or prestige. And a lot of that pleasure center activity is created by this rush of dopamine, right, the, the, the brain's primary reward chemical. And what right. this means is that status-seeking is neither – it's not a product of vanity or artificially created social anxiety. It's a measurable – biological function and p people social critics in years gone by had no way of knowing that but we we can see that stuff now so rather than mock the pursuit of status and luxury right the, these emerging group of scientists want us to accept status and status seeking in the same way we accept our need for oxygen and sexual and gratification sleep. right it's, right and, and other forms of dopamine delivery 
Yeah. And right? if we understood, that's not to say that we need to give into this and just because it's a biological function that it's every part of it's good and we should overdo it. But I think there's a growing understanding that this, that status and status seeking is kind of an inevitable, if not healthy part of animal existence, right? Every single animal society arranges itself on a status hierarchy. They all do it. And so do we as humans. Okay. So rather than, rather than mock that pursuit or shame it, it's a lot better to understand it and accept it and work with it. Okay. And here's what I would say. Um, my point is about five degrees off of where you are. So my point is it's the actual objects themselves, not the pursuit. I'm not I'm not looking down in some sort of Calvinistic way of going, oh, you shouldn't want that. You should all <laughs> life should all be about pleasure denying and all that. That was my dad. I mean, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. If identified the one thing that would bring you pleasure and then he would be like, well, I can't do that. You know, and that was for whatever reason, that's where he got his dopamine rush was in denying himself this, you know, <laughs> right. this kind of weird aestheticism. But I my point is this. And I think your dog analogy, I'll take it just in a slightly different way. Um, it, the idea of a purse dog and being able to go onto a plane with a purse dog was for a period of time perceived as the, the status symbol of the elite and that they would have a little dog and a purse and go and sit in first class. Well, now you get onto a plane there are so many you know uh companion animals on on some planes it's like a it's like a fisher price see and say you know you just like the cow goes moo i mean it's like there's just and so i that's what i'm saying is that the things that p people pursued that thinking that would that's i need that that was considered like that's the thing i need to have when really, do you, and you have people then who are kind of gaming systems and applying for things and saying, I need to travel with my menagerie of animals because then I feel better being on a flight. Well, we all feel better on a flight. We can bring our dogs. But what I think... Dog, what, by the way, what dog, what dog isn't a comfort dog? That's what dogs... Right, dog. exactly. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. 
So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.